0: Hello! May I wish you a very blessed Sunday morning. You're listening to St. Mark Lutheran Church in Bemidji's podcast. Today's podcast is sponsored by the 18th Century Hymn Composers Guild, where their motto is, Every Song a Clefhanger. The Sunday edition of this podcast is always a replay of the Sunday sermon. As we run two weeks behind reality on this podcast, This podcast happens to be our Easter Sunday sermon. I pray that its message blesses you. If you're interested in learning more about our ministry, may I suggest that you take a peek at www.stmarkbemidji.org. You may also want to subscribe to our YouTube channel for our video podcasts or maybe even our Facebook page. If you have trouble finding us, just take a look in the show notes of this podcast for the links. I also want to hear from you. If you have any feedback at all on the podcast or you just want to say hi to me, drop a line at john.kirk at stmarkbemidji.org. Our sermon for today is titled Resurrection Fact and is based upon Luke chapter 24 and was preached on Palm Sunday morning. Death reigned without mercy and without challenge from the moment that Adam and Eve fell into sin. As we plainly see, death doesn't just bring life to an end. It spoils every moment of life that leads up to it. The moment that Jesus emerged from the tomb, though, nothing would ever be the same. Hope, peace, and life emerged, unchecked and unchallenged, that all might set their eyes on him in faith. Just as death's reign would otherwise spoil the life leading up to it, so also Christ's victory restores life to us even now. The victory march of life has already begun, and death can do nothing to stop it. We now join Pastor Zamzo for our sermon.
1: He is risen. He is risen. Amen. We see it, we hear it a lot these days. I'm gonna tell you a familiar phrase, and I know you'll know what I'm talking about. Controlling the narrative. I don't care what political stripe you are. I don't care what news channel you watch or what have you. No one likes controlled narratives. We see a politician trying to control a narrative to bolster up themselves, to make themselves look better. They want to take a story and embellish it and drive it home. The news media. When we see the news media uh, controlling the narrative, what do we we immediately pick up on? That there are some facts being left out, there are some aspects of the story that are being embellished or over-dramatized. Observant people usually pick up on this sort of thing, no matter what it is and say, yeah, I don't know about that. That seems like somebody's trying to control the narrative. And for centuries, there have been many people in the world who have said that today, Easter Sunday, is the church just controlling the narrative. There must be some things that have been left out There must be some some aspects of this ministry of Jesus and the person of Christ that are just over-dramatized and embellished. This morning, we have before us the anchor and the cornerstone of our faith. The thing upon which all of our hopes as Christians are built, the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And the world looks at this and says, nonsense, you're controlling the narrative. Even our own sinful hearts within us, our own human sinful hearts within us, look at the story of the resurrection and ponder the idea of somebody rising from the dead, and we say, ugh, I don't know if I can believe that. It's too incredible. People don't just rise from the dead. Are we peddling a fairy tale? Are we peddling science fiction? This thing just doesn't happen. People don't just rise from the dead. Is this just a controlled narrative? We don't want a controlled narrative. (coughs) Nobody does. We do want our facts. We want facts. And so this morning, with the gospel account of the resurrection of Luke, or the resurrection of Jesus in Luke's gospel in chapter 24, consider this. You ponder what a controlled narrative is. As we ponder what this Easter morning means to us as Christians, ask yourself, What would you expect to find in a controlled narrative if this were indeed a controlled narrative? Would we not have expected Luke and the other gospel writers, for that matter, to control the narrative a little bit more? Maybe try to cobble together some explanations as to how this resurrection from the dead might be possible? As we read these words, wouldn't we expect to find a bunch of listed implications for what the resurrection means and what the ramifications are for us? Keep in mind, this is indeed St. Luke controlling the narrative. He's the one that went around and did the research and asked Mary and asked the disciples about what happened on that day. They could have told him whatever they wanted Shouldn't we find this whole account to be a little bit more over-dramatized, over-zealous? Something that makes the women look good? That makes the men, the disciples, look good? Now what do we find as we examine these words? We don't find an account like this. We don't find words that are sanitized. We don't see an agenda that is covered up or a fairy tale or science fiction or even some sort of cleverly devised theological argument. We don't see any of that. We don't see a controlled narrative. No, we see the facts of that resurrection day. And those facts are strange and those facts are surprising. We find the words of these witnesses something incredible, because what we see in Luke chapter 24, what we find here is people who did not invent a resurrection. We find people who discovered one, and it's recorded in all of its gritty detail. The disbelief, the fear, the confusion, and the shame all of it. <coughs> These people were believers in the word of God. All the way back, 700 years before Jesus even walked the earth. Through the Old Testament prophet Isaiah, it had been written that the Lord, the Lord makes his life an offering for sin. He will see his offspring and prolong his days. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life. Isaiah prophesied the resurrection 700 years earlier. These would have been words that were familiar to them. Well, maybe they forgot that. Well, what about Jesus himself? Jesus himself, had multiple occasions, had said to the disciples, to all of them, I must be handed over. I'm going to be put on trial, I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die, and three days later I'm going to rise again. Yet what do we find on this Easter morning? At this Easter morning, we do not find the women and those 11 faithful disciples of Jesus standing there outside the tomb, eagerly awaiting the return of their Lord. No far from it. We see these ladies that are walking to the tomb on that Easter morning, and what are they going there to do? They're going there to finish burial preparations. They have spices and aloes and, 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 and things to anoint a dead body, not to greet a friend whose word they said they trusted. They go there expecting to find a corpse and a stone rolled away, and the biggest problem as they walk to that tomb that day is, how is that stone going to move? How are we going to get it out of the way? And then we see in what happens in Luke's gospel, and we see the angels appear to the women as they walk up there, and even then, they're still frightened, they're still afraid, they still are a little bit confused, but the angels do what? The angels remind these ladies of what Jesus had said. Remember when he told you while he was with you that this had to happen? So then the ladies leave. The women leave the tomb and they go and find Jesus' closest, dearest, bestest friends. These people who had studied at the feet of Jesus for three years, who had heard him on multiple occasions, not just once or twice. Tell them exactly what was going to happen on that Easter day. And when the women come to them and remind them of the words of Jesus, remind them of what the angels had just told them, what do the disciples do? Do, they, do we have an account here that, re, that, 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 that conforms and controls the narrative that makes them look good? Do they say, Oh yeah, we remembered? No. They write these poor astonished women off as crazy. They turn them away, believing that they're delirious. Now, Peter at least has the the wherewithal to run to the tomb. But even as he goes there, did you not find the last bit of the the last line of the gospel account a little bit of a letdown? Peter gets to the tomb and he looks inside and he sees the linen strips lying there where they fell after Jesus rose. And he leaves the tomb, not saying, He is risen, He is risen indeed. He walks away from the tomb full of confusion and fear, wondering what had happened. And that's it. No controlled narrative. No clever story. This is where Luke's resurrection account ends. It's devoid of an agenda. Devoid of some cleverly devised argument or maybes. There's no emotional thing going on here. There's no embellishment going on here. Just the plain facts of some people who witnessed who discovered a resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters in our risen Lord, let the world, let the sinful nature within our hearts see this uncontrolled narrative. These plain, unembellished facts inspired by the Holy Spirit, let us witness the confusion and the doubt of these women, the confusion and the doubt of these disciples. And let us see... That despite human weaknesses, the good news of the Gospel, the good news of the resurrection was bound to get out. The Old Testament, that what the Old Testament prophets foretold, what Jesus said would happen, what the angels reminded those ladies had in fact actually happened. Why do you look for the living amongst the dead? He is not here. He is risen. And the Christian in faith responds, He is risen. He is risen indeed. No, we have not seen, and yet we believe. Because what we have in front of us today is this uncontrolled narrative. It's not a clearly, cleverly invented story. It's not science fiction. It's not from the mouths of well-trained theologians. We're not peddling conspiracy theories or controlled narratives. What we have in front of us today in Luke chapter 24 is the unadulterated fact of the resurrection. And if this Gospel account from Luke does anything, as we watch the disciples, as we watch the, the ladies leave that tomb, how even Jesus' closest friends and confidants were weak in their faith, what this does is it exposes to us how similar we are. Martin Luther once uh, was quoted as saying, every single week, as in every single Sunday, I get up and preach justification, the forgiveness of sins, through faith in Christ Jesus. Every single week. Because every single week, people forget it. And indeed how true it is. We go from one day to another throughout our week and we forget what God's Word says. We let the world creep in with its doubts and its fears and its controlled narratives into our hearts Friends, if Jesus was to come down right now and to take that chair and stick it in the middle of the chancel here and sit down and explain to you everything that would happen, the reason for everything, why tragedies, why trials, why difficulties, why problems, if he were to give you an explanation for all of it, every last little bit of it, have no doubt that we would be like the women and the disciples and we would look at Him and not believe it. This is who we are. We are sinful, weak people. And the fact is, the fact of the matter is what this account of the Gospel does for us is it shows us not what we want to know, it gives us what we need to know. And that is the power of this Gospel account, this bare, raw, unadulterated facts, this uncontrolled narrative, the fact of His resurrection, the facts around those who witnessed this resurrection. And it's for that reason that this is the cornerstone of our faith, rooted in fact, not in fiction. And having established that now, by the grace of who Christ Jesus is, we see the implications of what this means. That Christ Jesus rises from the dead. What does that mean for you and for me? As we ponder back to the last couple of days over Holy Week, and we see what Jesus' passion was. He's just as passionate as you are about the things in your life, your passions, your dreams and your desires. Christ Jesus had one passion. And it was to go to the cross. To give his body and to shed his blood for the sins of the world, the Son of God and Mary's Son. And this resurrection proves, it proves a fact that when Jesus gave gave up his last breath on the cross, crying out, It is finished, the fact that he rises from the dead proves that he was right, that all sin is paid for. That's a fact. That death itself by the death of the Son of God has been dealt a mortal blow. Its iron chain is shattered. That's a fact. And now try as he might to get us to doubt and to become weary in our faith. The devil knows that his time is short. That's a fact. That God, that the salvation that God had promised to His people from the beginning of time is not a temporary relief or just a hope for a better tomorrow or a how you can be a better you no this is about god wiping every tear away from the eyes of his people that the death pall that sur- that surrounded this world would be ripped and torn that god's people would not ever be disgraced that is a fact because Christ has died and Christ is risen, we can say with St. Paul, that's my Lord. That's my Savior. So death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Because of Jesus' resurrection fact. That means that the perishable will become imperishable. That means that what is mortal now will be immortal. Because of Jesus' resurrection fact. And for all those who trust the fact that His tomb is empty, so yours will be too. So with a confident, with a confident faith that is built on the rock-solid resurrection fact, Christians, by faith, hear those words. He is risen. And they respond. Amen.
0: We hope that today's meditation on God's Word has enriched you. Divine Services are held right here in Bemidji, Minnesota at 8am and 1030am on Sunday mornings. Sunday School and Adult Bible Study is also offered between our Sunday services at 9.15am. If you're listening to this podcast, you are cordially invited to join us in person next week and every week. In addition to our traditional worship services, we will continue to create our podcasts and post video versions of our Divine Services. Links to a video version of our church services can be found on our website, www.stmarksbemidji.org. Our services will continue to be live-streamed at 8 a.m. Sunday mornings and are posted for later viewing if this time is inconvenient for you. If you have any questions or would like to hear more information about our church and its ministry, please visit our website, which is once again www.stmarksbemidji.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider leaving a positive review and telling a friend.